Support for this program comes from Tiger Lily Communications, public relations, content creation, publicity, and marketing for creatives. We make you look even better. Find out more at T-I-G-E-R-L-I-L-Y communications.com. and welcome to Speak On It, the podcast where the creatives tell their stories about what they do and how they do it. I'm Felicia Hodges, and today I'm talking with producer and writer Courtney Allen. Born and raised in New York's Hudson Valley, Courtney worked as a caseworker with youth and their families for over a decade. Her experience has fueled her passion for filmmaking and led to the development of the web series At Risk, which she co-wrote and produced in 2016. Also a motivational speaker and a certified life coach, Courtney is the creative mind behind the mental health, social media pages described as where the culture meets mental health. Welcome, Courtney, and thank you so much for joining us today. Hola. How are you today? Doing okay. Doing okay. It's good to see you. Nice seeing you too. Hey. (laughs) So you do so many things. Where does your energy for all the creative things that you do, where does that come from? my mind and my ADHD. No, (laughs) I have self-proclaimed ADHD. So I'm always all all over the place and just thinking, always just thinking about things and how to better myself and how to kind of market myself and market mental health and a better lifestyle and, and bringing just mental health to the forefront of, you know, the black community and people who look, you know, like us for over a decade, sheesh. Um, I work with children and families. I love kids. I love doing what I did. So I kind of, I fell into it. It wasn't something that I always desired to do, you know, growing up as a kid or even in college. Um, I just happened to fall into it. And when I fell, I fell completely in love with just helping other people and helping kids and their families. So uh, the big aspect of human services and, and helping and being a caseworker a, a huge part of that is mental health. So you you have to tap into the mental health in order to help other people in in most circumstances, in most cases. So that's where that comes from. When I was in kindergarten, I wanted to be an actress. And well, prior to that, I've always like danced and pranced around the house and just always just had that that thing for entertainment. For the longest time, I was like really great at acting and my kindergarten teacher, her name is Miss Williams. She's a black lady. Hey, she kind of fed into like she like she she molded me when it came to like the whole acting thing because she would always do these acting programs and I would always join the acting programs and I loved them, loved them, loved them, loved them. So for the longest time, I wanted to be an actress. And then uh, when I got into like high school, it, there was a little shift. I no longer wanted to act. I was like, mm, I don't know if I can remember lines, you know. Um, so then I always, then I started having this dream of being a music video director. I always knew I wanted to do something in entertainment. That's the thing. Like I knew I had the knack for entertainment. But as far as being a creative and thinking out the box, at that age, I wasn't. It was just like, oh, I want to do this. And that was it. I never thought out the, out the box. When I um, graduated college and became a caseworker where I fully became a creative. And now it's like, 
I can't stop it. Like I'm always thinking of ideas. And to me, it's like the greatest thing on earth. When I became a caseworker, it really just kind of blossomed. And I, I, I know that I'm a creative now before I didn't. I didn't tap into it. It's kind of like having a psychic ability. I believe in psychics. So I've been to like several psychics and I've talked to people who have that, that gift. And a lot of them say, you know, that they, they had the gift as children, but as they got older, like as children, they may have kind of held it in some and they were a little afraid of it. But as they got older, they got wiser with it and they just kept on getting better and better at it. The more they practiced it or the more it just became, they knew that that's what they were here for. So with me, it's like, oh, okay. I didn't know that I was here for, if you want to put it that way, what I was here for. But now I understand that there's another level that I want to be on, that I should be on, that's out there. Like, I know that the creative aspect of things is there and and that's who I am. So I know that I'm just on a completely different level than I was, let's say, 10 years ago, where I thought about, you know, writing at risk, but it was just, it was just that. Now I know what I can do and I feel like, I want to push myself to do even more and these ideas, they won't stop. And I went to school for media communications. And like I said, I always knew that it's something within entertainment was, was the thing for me until I, I met casework, <laughs> like casework as a person. And so when I met casework, I loved it. I'm like, oh my gosh, I love it. But you know how like they, the reality shows started getting really big back then. And I started thinking like, damn, like this would be a good reality show like you you can't make some of this stuff up the stuff that I was hearing and seeing on a day-to-day basis there was no way that you could make this stuff up so I was like oh this needs to be a reality show but then I thought to myself I was like "Mm, I don't want to have to go through the whole the whole release forms and and dealing with actual people and clients on the on camera I'm just like no I don't want to expose them like that so that's when at at risk was born I was like oh I'll do a fictionalized version of it and just take some of the situations that I've been in and kind of flip them a little bit and turn them upside down and make a show out of it to show people what exactly goes on within the casework field you have lawyer shows doctor shows but you've never seen you know a casework show it deals with the same stuff, but on a different level where you see people's souls and touch hearts and things like that. So that's kind of where at risk was born. So I, I just was like, Whoa, this is the perfect opportunity for me to go into entertainment and also um, help others while doing it. So for those not familiar with the web series, can you tell us a little bit about at risk? Well, at risk is basically you're following five caseworkers on a day-to-day task, seeing how, how oftentimes their personal lives pour into their professional lives and vice versa. So basically you're just watching these caseworkers every day, just just struggling with their clients' work and their work and how messed up their own personal lives can be, but they have to go to work and mask that and act like they're the perfect people to help others. So you're watching, you're saying, whoa, oh, this caseworker is really messed up. But look at this case, they're messed up too. Everybody's messed up on this show. How did, you know, the idea translate into let's make a web series? So, you know, everything starts off as an idea. Uh, The very first thing that I did, I um, spoke to the director of the web series. His name is Sean Strong of Fanatics Entertainment. And I, you know, basically talked to him and he said, yeah, he would love to work on it. I didn't have a script. I didn't have anything. So I was like, you know, what? I'll you know go back and try to write it or whatever. I knew I wasn't a writer. So uh, 
I spoke to somebody that I knew again, very knowledgeable. She connected me with the young lady who was fresh out of high school. And uh, the young lady's name is Jessica, Jessica Colombo. She and I met up. We discussed what I needed. Every week we would meet up and I would tell her what I wanted the show to look like. So she jotted, she would jot things down. We came together and just discussed like the whole, a whole first season. Characters, everything. After a while, we had our pilot. I brought the pilot to Sean, the director, and he looked at the pilot. He read it and he was like, you guys don't know what you're doing. And I'm just like, what? (laughs) He's just like, it's dialogue heavy. Like there's too much dialogue here. He was like, you can take this one pilot and break it up into about 10 to 12 episodes but you don't you don't have any action he was like you're gonna have to go back and and break it apart and and fix it so it looks like a show because he was like this just you're just reading stuff off of the page again i'm not a writer i went to to school for media and communications but i was trying to at that point i was trying to direct i was trying to do all other things aside from right i that was not one of the hats that i was trying to wear so I'm like, oh, mm, I can't write this myself. I don't want to rewrite it. Da, 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 da. So I can my best friend. Her name is Antoinette. And I'm just like, I'm going to hire somebody to, re- to rewrite it. And she was like, well, you stop hiring people to do stuff. You can do it yourself. That's all I needed to hear. And I'm just like, she's right. She's absolutely right. So I was Googling things like how to write your own script, like what goes into it. And me with my self-proclaimed ADHD, I swear I have it. I swear I do. Um, It's just, it just, (laughs) certain things just don't pan out like that with me. I'm just like, oh gosh, like I'm all over the place. So I'm just like, I'm going to need someone to like basically hold my hand. I don't want to take a whole class because I know within taking a whole class, it's going to cost money. And then my attention span is just not always there. So I, for some reason, I looked up a script consultant and I found a script consultant. His name is Stephen Arvantes. Um, He passed away a couple of years ago. God, you know, rest his soul. But he was like phenomenal. We met once a week for six weeks straight. Every week he would give me homework. We would discuss um, breaking the script down. He would say, okay, what do you want this episode to look like? Take a chunk of the script that you already have and rewrite it and build upon it. So every week I would have to come with a new script that was my homework we would uh, talk about it break it down and he told me how to write for a web series he was like you want it to be a web series this is how it has to go and he also like would uh bounce ideas off of me as well he had me um uh strengthen my character development and everything so he taught me a lot of things and i'm telling you within six weeks i had a 10 part web series like i would go home and all weekend i would be at my computer retyping things, cutting and pasting, and just expanding upon everything that I, that had already been written. So I just had to expand upon it. And when I tell you after I was done, I was so proud of myself. I'm just like, oh, like this is what Antoinette was talking about. Like I could do it myself. So it, it definitely, there was a process, but it, it the full creative was born. <laughs> How's season two coming? I have like a whole page of ideas where I want to see it go, but I have not written season two at all yet and I know I need to but I want to be a showrunner per se like writing isn't my thing and it wasn't it was cool but it's not fun to me I want to do something that I love and and something that's fun I have thousands of show ideas but it just I want to be a showrunner and we'll be back with more from producer Courtney Allen after this stay with us 
the Groove Pavement podcast, talk show, and movie review, where we break down the black exploitation era, the cinematic genre, the exploitation of the black culture, and experience through film and media. We'll also dive into the cast, the subgenres, the TV shows, and the music. Outside of the films, we'll view some critical signs of the time and what these stories meant then and now, from entertainment to society to economics. The Groove Pavement. Catch a new episode each Thursday on Hudsey.tv. Facebook, and thegroovedpavement.com. We're back with Courtney Allen, who talks about why representation is important in both casework and film production. In the casework field, from what I've seen, there were good enough people who looked like me, but in the same aspect, there were even more who didn't look like me. So it was always, it's always trying to explain to your coworker where certain social constructs come from or just hearing what others have to say about what people who look like me are doing and saying. So I had that issue within casework. So then I flip it and when I come over to film, I think there's kind of like a, I can't say, I think it's more like a mixture of it. Maybe because I'm on social media and social media is such a, you know, a huge thing, but social media has opened my world up to so much. And there's so many who look like me who are trying to, you know, get in or who have been doing it for behind the scenes for years. I think maybe if you would ask me this, the same question, maybe five years ago, five, 10 years ago, it would have been a, a different answer being the fact that I didn't have my hands on or I didn't have access to these other women who are trying to break into the industry like I am. Although we all know that Big Brother or the corporations are slight, look slightly different, not even slightly different, look totally different. So when I talk about like an indie film uh, lens from an indie film lens, there's tons of us, black, you know, black men, uh, black women. Um, there are so many of us struggling trying to get um, into those those spaces where we we are we aren't there, where it's just one or two of us. We're like speckles. So I kind of look at it not so much as coming from you know being a woman, but kind of being a black woman or just being black in general. Where those spaces are not um, those seats are not taken up by us in general. It's a hard industry to to get into. Agents won't touch you if your work isn't popping. So it's really hard to just crack the case and just get in. Um, so that's why you have so many people who are, you know, indie. And again, I, I'm on social media. So a lot of pe- the people I connect with look like me and it's just easier for me to, you know, look that way. But as far as networks, major networks are like, you know, you have your Netflix and, you know, all those other things. Yeah. It, there's not so many of us. Nope. Can't say. And it's hard to get in. It's so hard to get in. Let me in. And, but then it's just like, do I want to create my own table? Why do, why do I want to eat at someone's table who doesn't want me there? Should I create my own table? So I'm, I'm thinking that's the, the route that I'm on is making my own table, making my own bed, lying in it, basking in it, you know, <laughs> making my own rules. And, and for the most part, I've, you know, from what I've seen, a lot of people, when they, they do that, they make their own tables in their own lanes. That's when Big Brother comes after them and like oh this is this is hot like this is really good we want you but it's just it's really hard so they're different but the same so yeah I'm definitely the minority in both in one space I can get in there easily it's like oh we need you over here you know in the other space they're like 
we don't need you. <laughs> we, we got we got one of you, but you know, <laughs> somebody come get the token out of here. You know, we, we have got enough for her. And about that self-proclaimed ADHD diagnosis, I swear I have it. I don't know if when I was younger, if my mind was this all over the place, but as I've gotten old, as the years have gone on, probably like after maybe college, I do know that my attention span is just kind of all over the place. I can literally have a conversation with you, be completely present and not be present. Having social media has made it even worse because everything's just right there at the, the in the palm of my hands. So I can just click, move on, move on, move on, move on. I even have issues with watching TV. If I'm watching a program on TV, I'll pick up my phone literally 50 times while I'm watching TV and will miss when I'm watching. I'll rewind the same scene a good 20 times because my attention is all over. As far as me like being a caseworker, I've never had the issue where I couldn't I couldn't focus at that point. As far as just like listening to people's issues and things like that, I, you know, tune in and I'm really good at it. For folks who may be interested in doing what you're doing, you know, producing a web series is a big thing. You know, you describe the process of putting it together, the writing, consulting, the, you know, sitting there with it, sweating. It was almost like giving birth and here's this creation. Folks are looking at that or hearing you and thinking, you know, that sounds like what I want to do, but they have no idea how to do it. What advice would you give them for getting from where they are to where they want to be? For them to do a little research behind it. But as far as... um getting from point A to point B, I would tell people, go with your passion, do what, whatever it is that you're trying to do. Start, start from the bottom, sketch out exactly what you want to do, what it looks like, and just have a plan. Marketing is like key. I'm, I've learned that, that marketing is definitely key because are you just creating things just, just to create? Or are you creating things because you want the masses to watch it and you want success out of it? Or what does success look like to you? With me, I want to create where the masses are watching and they know my work and what's going on. So marketing is definitely key. So if you can horn in on how to market something, figure that out and you, you'd be golden. I've seen people like influencers on um, social media just kind of go from nothing to these big names or have all these followers where things are right at the tips of their, you know, at the tip of their fingers. So marketing is definitely key. I'm trying to get there. What's next on the horizon for your, your production, your work? I'm working on a documentary. I've been working on a documentary for a couple of years now. That's another reason why um, At Risk kind of took a backseat or took a pause. Because I feel like if I can get followers through my documentary, that At Risk will come right along with it. Within my documentary, I have clips from At Risk. People are going to be like, oh, what show is that? Let me go check that out. I have this documentary on, you know, in human services slash mental health. And also I have a, a show on casework, human services, mental health, all of that all in one that's fictionalized that you've never seen before. So to me, I just want to be like the whole package within the documentary. We're teaching people how to care for people who have mental health issues or just in general on how to deal with the human service mental health population, what to do, what not to do. It's kind of like a, um, and somewhat of a, a cultural uh, competency piece. It's basically teaching people who, who may come into this field thinking that they want to do the things within this field, but who aren't prepared, 
who don't know the population that they're about to work with, who don't care about the population that they work with. So I'm giving people like a big, a warning sign. If this field is not for you, don't come into it. Don't come in here um, looking down or frowning upon the people that you work with or masking how you feel when you, when you go back to work, you hate the people that you work with. Don't come into this field doing that. And I've, I've said it on so many different occasions. So this documentary is teaching people that. So yeah, that's what it's about. When um, are you anticipating your documentary being ready to roll? I'll shelf something if I'm not completely happy with it. I don't want to put out anything that is not entertaining. I want it to be entertaining. I want it to be educational, insightful, entertaining. Like I said, I know I've said entertaining about five times, but it has to gel. It has to make sense. It has to have people, you know, interested in, in what's going on. I have to make sure that people who have attention spans like me are tuned in, zoned in, like, oh, okay, this is good. I So I it, it has to be tight before we release it. But by the end of 2021, we'll definitely um, be ready for that. And I have merch coming out. And where can you go to find more information? Definitely Instagram, because on my Instagram page, which is the mental help underscore, M-E-N-T-A-L-H-E-L-P underscore. On my page, I have a link to At Risk, which is on YouTube. You can go, and you can also go to YouTube and see At Risk, the web series. It's called At Risk Web Series, but in there are 10 episodes there. But go to my page. There's a link right there for um, At Risk. There's also a link for um, the merch that's coming out soon. Definitely Instagram is the place to be. But wait, there's more. A segment on my Instagram page called Toxic Tuesday. I call my people who follow me helpers because it's called the mental help page where helpers chime in and give their advice. Now with this is a little twist. We don't want good advice. We want the worst advice you have. We want bad advice, funny advice, or just, just the worst advice possible. Because as always, you ever have a friend who calls you, they need advice, but you want to give them like the pettiest or the just the pettiest advice ever, but you know, you can't. This is people's time. This is the time where you can get the pettiest advice ever and feel good about yourself. So it's kind of like a feel good thing where you're just like, let me get it all out today. It's Toxic Tuesday, y'all. It's Toxic Tuesday. It's it's very therapeutic. It really is because laughter is therapeutic. So if you can just laugh through all of it and just say what you want at that point, because a lot of us always want to say what we want, but we just can't. So this is that time we can just say, girl, F that man or whatever, you know. Whatever it is. So (laughs) So check it out, y'all. Check out Toxic Tuesday (laughs) on the mental health underscore on Instagram. And that's our episode. You can follow Speak On It on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Vimeo, or email us at tigerlilycommunications at mail, just mail.com to let us know what you think. By the way, the original music you hear is called Please Irene by Lynn Riley and the World Mix. We featured Lynn on our last episode, but we know that you're missing live music right now, and we are too, so head on over to their YouTube channel to check out some of their past performances. Hope to catch you again soon. Stay safe out there. Mm